Well, good morning. Wherever this finds you on the other side of the uh, camera, we are so glad you joined us. And as Pastor Seth mentioned earlier, hopefully you can uh, uh, find a Bible or maybe open a Bible app. Um, I understand version has been downloaded an extremely high number of times in this past month or so, and maybe you can, you can get that one. And turn in your Bibles then to Colossians 3 and verse 17. We are actually looking at just one single verse today, uh, because it's perhaps one of the most significant verses in Colossians. It seems to capture in one concise package the message of the book of Colossians. As we land back into our ongoing study of Colossians, we uh, just to give you a context, we are about 30 years after Easter. It's uh, A.D. 60, approximately. And the Apostle Paul is uh, going throughout the Roman Empire of the day, sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ crucified, paying for our sins, and risen again. But he's in, uh, he's in prison, as he writes. Writing to this little city of Colossae, he's actually in prison in Rome because he was arrested for the gospel of Jesus Christ that we really proclaim so freely here. And I just want you to know that context because what we study today is written also in a time of stress, a time of uh, unjust trial for Paul, and really for all Christians of that season. And so as we look today at a verse that seeks to tell us that which is most important in life, apply it to where you are, but apply it now and apply it across the whole spectrum of your life. What is your highest priority? We've all learned a little something about priorities in daily life, I think, in this season. We we learn to prioritize uh, how often we go to the store. How many times do we really need to go? Uh, we've maybe, if you've had limited income uh, during this season, you know, what do you really have to buy? But this is talking about our ultimate priority. Colossians three, seventeen, And whatever you do, that's everything. Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's claiming to be the ultimate priority. What ultimate priority guides your life? What is most important? Let's just uh, kind of think through some options. What is most important to the world and world leaders right now? It's pretty obvious that it's physical health and financial prosperity. I'm glad someone is paying attention to those things. Physical health and financial prosperity. And of course, we're probably all aware of the tug of war between those two. And so some would push to the side if we do everything for the sake of health. Others would push to the side, hey, wait a minute, we can't forget about the economy and prosperity. And so there's this tension and conflict, but indeed, these are both. Important things. You know the discussions. You know where you've landed on maybe that issue. 
That's what's most important to the world and world leaders. If you're not in charge of the world or, or, or making those decisions, I think it's though, as a believer in Christ, it's very important to ask this question. What is most important to Jesus Christ? Always. Now, Jesus Christ cares, cares about our health. If you think through the, uh, the Gospels, most of his miracles were healings. He cares about our health. He cares about our, our provision. He was, he was talking one time, Matthew 6, and he said, you know, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on, because your Heavenly Father knows that stuff, and the birds of the air, they get everything they need, He'll take care of you. So that, He cares about that. But if you are acquainted with that passage, you know that it concludes with this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then I'll take care of these other things. So He is pointing us to a greater priority. So what is the priority of Jesus Christ? What's most important to him, I believe, would be spiritual health and the growth of his church. He's all about his body, sometimes called his bride, in fact. Ephesians 5, verses 25 to 30, in an illustration, actually, of marriage, but it says, Christ loved the church so much he gave himself up for it, that's the cross, so that, what? So that he could cleanse us by his word and that he could make us, present us holy and without blemish. So we know what's most important to Christ is his church. That's you and me as believers. If you, if you are a believer, a follower of Christ, that's most important. And so he wants to grow you stronger and he wants to expand the church. We know that because he said to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. This is a global situation we are facing in our world today. And wouldn't it be great if God uses this to better make disciples and grow his church to all nations? So, we see what's most important to the world. We see what's most important to Christ. The real question is, which of those is most important to you? What's most important to you? To read again, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the scope, take note of this first, the scope of this statement is everything we do. Everything. It's a filter, really, for everything we say, everything we do. It's a filter, it becomes a life purpose, it becomes that which God is telling us today, this is what needs to be the most important to you. Particularly, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been given a life purpose to do everything in the name of Jesus. It sounds like that's a pretty important phrase for us to understand today. We have uh, been saying that basically the theme of Colossians is submitting to the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Submitting to the supremacy of Christ. And so, to do everything in the name of Jesus is basically submitting to his position of supremacy. And so, let's just think through how this has been presented so far. He is supreme. Why? Verse, chapter 1, verse um, 16. For by him all things are created. So, he is supreme in that position because he created everything. I don't know if that shifts 
the importance of Christ to you, but it sure does for me. He created me. He planned and designed me and you exactly how we're supposed to be. He created us. Verse 17 also says, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So He's not only the creator, He is the sustainer. He is the reason why that this earth is not spinning towards the sun and burning us up. He's the reason why there's still green grass and food in the stores. He is sustaining us. And He not only is at work in this life, but He has addressed our eternity our eternal life. And so we were looking the past two weeks uh, in, in Isaiah 53 at the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, which makes the provision of eternal life. Or in chapter Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, you were dead in your trans- transgressions and sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, but God made you alive with Christ and he nailed all your sins to the cross. And so we see that he has provided forgiveness of sins so we can have eternity with him. So let's see, the supremacy of Christ. He created us. He sustains us. He has given those who believe in him the guarantee of eternal life. So it does not surprise us to come to chapter 3 and say, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. It should absolutely transform our focus. To what? To the person of Christ. In fact, verse 3, you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So we are now linked with Christ. We are united with Christ. The, the, the you who you were before, your identity has changed as we, as we discussed this uh, some months ago in chapter 3. Your identity is now that you are linked with Jesus Christ. How does that change our life? Well, chapter 3, verse 5 and following says, well, when you focus on Christ, you abandon things that distract from Christ like Greed, immorality, lying, those are not fitting in our identity in Christ who wants to make us pure and present us without blemish. That's his goal, to grow us and draw us into conformity to himself. It says in verses 12 through 14 how important it is that we bear with one another and forgive one another and have harmony with one another. So, If we are united with Christ individually, we must be united with each other. This would be a terrible time to invest and focus on arguing with one another when in fact we are united in Christ and should be united around Christ. Verses 15 and 16, just before our our focus passage today, has talked about when we gather as a church, which we miss terribly, but he says, when you do, Present the word of Christ. At least we can do that through a camera. And then he says, to worship together in song, and we're doing our best to encourage you where you are to sing, but we really miss that focus. But So we, it's all to be gathered, the word of Christ, singing about Christ, worshiping Christ. So it doesn't surprise us then that our purpose, verse 17, is that whatever you do is kind of like his catch-all. So he says, I can't think of everything. I can't, I can't write this book about every detail in your life, so here's the umbrella statement. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It sounds like a very important phrase, to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, let's think through the scope. Where and how do we say things and do things? Because whatever you say, should be in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we say things in our home. Life is pretty much home-focused these days, isn't it? So 
There's more conversations, there's more maybe tensions, but ever more important that we would focus on is this, that conversation reflecting somehow the name, the character, representing Christ well. We say things to friends and fellow students. Maybe you're, maybe that's more texting or whatever today, but is what you say reflecting Christ? Coworkers, is what you say somehow in the name of the Lord Jesus? But what is one of the key ways we say things today? <laughs> Especially in this season is we say things on social media. So if you, if, if you think through the past week, Everything you've said in every context, to your spouse, to your children, to friends, to co-workers, everything you've posted on social media, could you put a little tagline and say, in the name of the Lord Jesus? Because it's saying that whatever you say, this is so important because what we say is public. And so what people hear is what we're all about. So however we say it, wherever we say it, whatever we say is public, and that is what we're, we're reflecting. That's what we're all about. So the question is, are we mostly about lesser things? Or are we about the name of the Lord Jesus? Whatever you say. Whatever you do. There's, there's actions involved. So where do we do things? We do things again at home. We have tasks, projects maybe. Or we've been cleaning out closets and doing extra things. So entertainment, we're doing more of that too. So can, can you put in the name of Jesus as a filter through all that you do? Everything that's on a screen maybe these days. Or work or school responsibilities or... Things you do for fun, a little more limited right now, but fun can be in the name of the Lord Jesus. Things you do financially to to honor Christ somehow with how we earn, how we spend, how we invest, how we give. Are, are these connected or disconnected to our relationship with Christ? Because what Colossians is teaching us is that you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And so everything you do is linked to Christ. What's your purpose? Why do you do things? What's your priority? What drives you? Maybe we can understand it best by contrasting it with what, what most people do. Okay? This may or may not be you, but these are, these are the practical things that, that guide or drive people's decisions. For some, the default is always money. I will do that which makes the most money. Can't make a decision? Well, which way do I have more money? You can see why these, these, these days are concerning when you can't control that all the time. For others, what drives them is their fears or other emotions. In other words, how I feel is going to control that which I decide to, to do. Yeah, it's a time of fear for many, too. Others decide what they are going to do and how they're going to think, what they're going to say, what's, what's fun, what's, what's most pleasure, because I'm, I'm in life for enjoyment. Others decide what they're going to do because they need to, they feel compelled to please somebody. So, 
certain people seem to just kind of control their lives. There, there could be more, and, and you could maybe assign values to how much each of these might tend to draw and attract you. But what has verse 17 taught us? Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, and that changes everything. To now we have not little slices of the pie, and this drives us, and this pulls us, and this tension, but it's all encompassing in the person of Jesus Christ because I want to somehow reflect, honor the name of Jesus. So as we keep thinking of how we would shape our lives under this priority. The question is not even just what we say or do, it's really for whom we say or do it. For whom? Do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. If he has supremacy... And if we are united to him, then everything we do reflects Christ. We represent him in everything we say, everything we do. So I'm going to basically use a little phrase, because I'm united to Christ, then I do or say what I do. Because I'm united with him. You've died, your life is hidden with Christ and God, so we are always representing Christ because we are united with him. An example, Jesus told his disciples, using this phrase, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That gets our minds racing. What do we want, right? But in my name means that we are asking for what Jesus wants because we are united with him. When I was going to college, I was working for a couple of years for a trucking company. Nebraska-Iowa Express, it was called. And so <clears throat> my job was, after school or in the summers or whatever, I'd go to work and I'd, I'd basically run parts. I'd go and get parts for uh, the, the, the semis and trailers. And so I could drive all over Council Bluffs, Iowa, and Omaha, Nebraska, and, and go to all these parts shops, and, and they would hand across the counter to me hundreds, thousands of dollars worth of parts. I couldn't afford them. But you see, I was coming in the name of the company that employed me. To pray in Jesus' name means I'm united to him and to his purposes, and so we would ask that which fits the purposes of the kingdom of God. Just as I could not buy personal parts for my personal car or motorcycle, I could only buy that which was fitting the purposes, serving the purposes of that company. So we've learned in Colossians as believers, we are united with Christ. And to be linked with him means that I will do everything. I will say everything, seeking to represent him. So as an employee at that job, if I was rude or demanding, it would reflect on the company. If as an employee, I put a dent in the company pickup, it would reflect reflect on the company and they would have to pay for it. Oops, that actually happened. <laughs> but you see, while I was on the clock, everything I did was a reflection on the company. When are we on the clock as believers? We're always on the clock. So that's why he says, whatever you do, whatever you say, do it all in the name 
of the Lord Jesus. And so our task really as believers is to probably gradually and ever so imperfectly pursue that everything we say and do would honor, represent who Christ is because we're linked to him. It's a daunting task, isn't it? And we're sinners and we we fail continually. (laughs) We keep putting dents in his reputation, don't we? Yeah, it happens. I remember when I put that dent in the pickup, came back to the shop and had to tell Jerry, my boss, if I remember correctly, he laughed. He said, Sid, there's a lot of dents in the pickup. (laughs) In fact, they called me Crash for a while, but... Anyhow, there's other dents. That's where the grace in Jesus Christ and forgiveness of Jesus Christ is so important. But in fact, the more we understand the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ for all the dents we put in his reputation, the more carefully we want to drive in the future. Whatever you do, whatever you say, this is such a, such a pivotal concept I think it's, 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 it's peaking in the, in the book of Colossians. And it would help us to even understand what he has told us so far. So using this explanation, because we are united with Christ, what does that look like to do everything in his name? Chapter 1, verse 10. Keep in mind when you find the word Lord uh, in, in, in the New Testament letters, the Lord generally refers to Jesus specifically. Chapter 1, verse 10, we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, Jesus, and may please him in every way. So, to to do everything in the name of Jesus is to do everything with a sense of, am I pleasing Jesus Christ? If you get a report from the uh, teacher or the principal about your child misbehaving, uh, you cringe because somehow that child represents you and you're not pleased. Um, I was a fairly compliant child at home. I, uh, you may find this humorous. I misbehaved the most at church. And, uh, so I guess that's why I'm a pastor. My Sunday school teachers occasionally would call my, my mom or my dad and, and, and tell them to, you know, talk to me about being disruptive and goofing off in class. And one time, in fact, I, uh, um, my dad talked to me after church. Our church had a balcony, and, and dad was sitting in the balcony and looking down at where I sat in the row with uh, other middle schoolers, I think it was. And I was goofing off, and so afterwards, my dad said, Sydney, if I see that again, I'm coming down from the balcony, and I'm going to come and sit by you with your friends. That's a fate worse than death. So um, I began to learn to please him. Now, I loved them, they loved me. I had all kinds of reasons to try to obey them, but I had to eventually learn that I need to please them because of our relationship, because of our union. Does what we say, does what we do, does what we post reflect that I want to please Christ in everything in my life? Because you're united with Christ, we please him. Because you're united with Christ, we submit to him. Submit to him. If you, if you glance ahead, if you're looking at Colossians 3.17 today, you'll notice actually the next three subjects that we cover all had to do with submission. 
And every point of submission is connected to our submission to Christ. For example, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord, referring to Jesus. That should be a hot-button subject, right? Verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases who? The Lord. Slaves, verse 22, obey your earthly masters in everything. If you look at the end of verse 22, in reverence for the Lord. How do we reveal our submission to Christ? We reveal it through our submission to human authority. Paul doesn't mention it to the Colossians. Maybe it wasn't as big of an issue there, but he mentioned it to the Romans. He wrote it to Titus. Peter wrote it to his audience of of many churches. Submission to human government is part of submitting to Christ. 1 Peter 2.13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. That's being tested in our hearts in these politically tense days, isn't it? But submission to human leadership in the home, at work, to the government, is how we reveal our submission to Jesus Christ. Do everything, say everything in submission to him. So be very careful if your emotions and your frustrations would draw you to disregard any of the submission issues because you are united with Christ and representing him on the clock 24-7. Because we're united with Christ, we want to please him. We submit to him. Because we're united with Christ, we teach about him. Chapter 1, verse 28, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. what's unique about Christianity is the focus on Christ. That should be obvious. But see, we don't just talk about God in general because God is is acknowledged somehow in all the, the world religions, true or false. But you see, God had one son, Jesus Christ, and so he was the one who paid for our sins. He's the one in whose name we must say and do everything. So we focus and we teach on Christ. Or chapter 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you. So, The person and and nature of Christ and the words of Christ needs to so be uh, uh, absorbed in us that it becomes the all-encompassing filter of our life. We also honor his name when we imitate him. A couple weeks ago, we looked at chapter 3, verse 13, about uh, forgiving one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We honor him and we imitate him. As someone has said, obviously, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. In fact, it's it's just plain honor. It's not even flattery, it's honor. So if God has given you an opportunity to forgive someone, take it as an opportunity on the clock to represent Jesus Christ. You, You may have thought that this hurt that you experienced was an opportunity for justice. Payback. You may have thought that this opportunity, this or rather this uh, offense was an opportunity for um, showing you're better than someone. But every hurt, every offense is an opportunity to evaluate how do we best represent Jesus Christ? Is it an opportunity to forgive like 
he forgave. One more on my list, if you're following the outline. When, when we are united with Christ, because we're united with Christ, we always represent him to others. Glance ahead to chapter 4, where we will be studying at a later week. Chapter 4, verses 3, 4, and, or, uh, yes, 3, 4, or rather 4, 5, and 6. Pray for us, I'm sorry, verse 3. Pray for us that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. So Paul says, I'm all about proclaiming Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I would proclaim it clearly as I should. So we begin to enter into the purpose of Paul. He's proclaiming Jesus Christ. Do we have a role in that? Did the church in Colossae have a role in Paul's proclamation of the gospel? Absolutely. Verse 5 and 6 now. Verse 5 is what we do. Verse 6 is what we say, by the way. So doing, be wise in the way you act to outsiders, unbelievers. Make the most of every opportunity. So the way we live our life is going to give opportunity for the gospel. What about our conversation, verse 6? Let your conversation, what you say, be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you, you may know how to answer everyone. So we see how this all aligns together under the name of Jesus Christ. We will make the most opportunity of this current day by what we do and what we say in the name of the Lord Jesus. We all know the downsides of uh, the past month or two. Health, illness, death, fears, restrictions, a room full of empty chairs, We all know the downsides. If I focus on the downsides, I'm kind of discouraged too. Here's what encourages me. The opportunity to represent Christ. Be wise, verse 5, in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Could it be, is it possible that our fears and our frustrations are actually our best opportunity? To represent Christ well. I'm guessing that some of you who are watching the broadcast right now might not have come through our church doors a month ago. And that's okay. But maybe God is using this season to draw you towards His love, towards His role of supremacy. In your life. Could be you're a believer in Christ. You're a follower in Christ. Maybe part of this church. Maybe part of another. But in a similar way. Do you realize that now you would become. A key contact point. For someone who needs to know. About Jesus Christ. Attracting people to Christ. Is what we are about. In Philippians 2, Paul was uh, writing actually about the same time while he's in prison. And he's talking about making opportunity as well. And he said, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold forth the word of life. This is a time of fear and frustration. In fact, I, it, I would probably say the, the mood 
it seems, has shifted from fear as the focus maybe to now uh, frustration. You know, just as they're tracking, you know, the, the, the peak of confirmed cases or, or, or loss of life, if we were to track the emotions, maybe fear has peaked and now frustration is peaking. Which only makes this issue more important. Because if we can, if we can do this without complaining, without arguing, we're going to shine. Because my observation is that's what everybody else is doing, complaining and arguing. But see, we have a different purpose. We're holding forth the word of life. And so we can do it without complaining or arguing. And the last line of our verse 17 captures the opposite of complaining and arguing. Giving thanks to God the Father through him, through Christ. Thankfulness runs counter to every natural emotion. So when I seek to represent Christ in everything, I can be grateful for everything. Five times he's mentioned gratitude in in Colossians so far. And in fact, the last two, the previous two verses, this is three verses in a row mentioning gratitude. End of verse 15 about unity of the body, be thankful. End of verse 16 about gathering to to teach God's word and to sing to one another with gratitude in your hearts to to God. And now in the umbrella statement, whatever you do in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. How are we thankful in a time of fear and frustration? This is a trial. It is stressful. We can be thankful for the comfort of God's care, comfort of God's plan and sovereignty. I've, I've been, I just have to, I've been hearing more and more believers talking about how precious the relationship with God has become. We can be so thankful for his comfort and healing and provision. We can be so thankful that he's growing us individually as Christians, growing us as, as, as a church, perhaps then thankful that he's reaching people in fresh ways. Do you realize how many churches everywhere, of course, are, are broadcasting and, and more people are hearing about Christ than ever before? Huh, wonder if that was part of God's plan. But we have this opportunity of so much to be thankful for and it draws us back to this issue of doing everything in the name of christ because there is no circumstance that can stop us from doing and saying everything in the name of jesus there are circumstances that will affect our goal of health we've just stumbled into another haven't we but eventually we will not have health because we all die if our goal is health it's going to fail if our goal is Financial success is going to fail because we leave it all behind. Money's for this life. If your goal is having fun, well, the fun kind of quits when either the money or the health runs out. Nothing can stop the goal of doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. The most joyful Christians I know are grateful. 
The unhappiest Christians I know are those who have believed in Christ but have lost sight of doing everything in the name of Jesus. And they have prioritized self in a lot of different ways, but it's always miserable to focus on self, eventually. Giving thanks to God the Father in the name of Jesus. As I've been seeing people do that in a fresh way, good for you and good for the reputation of Christ. Uh, Many of you have perhaps noticed Pastor Nate's uh, every day of thankfulness, 30 days, I think, but every day he's been posting something to be thankful for in this season. Thank you, Nate, for leveraging this season of limitation to refocus our hearts on gratitude. Whatever you do. The leaders of this world and the nation, our state and even county, need to focus on health and prosperity. Are you thankful for them? Thank God for them and pray for them. It's been noted by many that our healthcare workers are busier than ever, facing more fatigue and perhaps fears than ever. And let's be thankful for them and and pray for them. But as we think about ourselves, do we think about our union with Jesus? And does it transform the way we see our personal circumstance to do it in his name and then we can be thankful for everything that filters down i don't know how much our life will change because of all of this i don't know how long it'll last i do just know that jesus christ cares deeply about you and me because he cares about his bride the church And he's either in the process of growing you as part of his church or he's in the process of reaching out to you to draw you to becoming a part of his family. Which is done only through Jesus Christ, the one who died for our sins, rose again. And if we put our faith in Christ, we have eternal life and what we've learned today, we've also got a transformed purpose in life to do everything in the name of Jesus, clarifies, simplifies. And as difficult as it is, he will help us to refocus whatever distraction we've been facing, whatever fear, whatever frustration, focus it on the person of Jesus. And that is where we will find gratitude. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are deeply in need of you Always, we feel that need intensely as different things in our life are limited, restricted, threatened in any way. And so we thank you for that. We thank you that uh, you are the healer, the, the, the comforter, the provider. But this morning we are focused on the fact that you are the supreme creator, sustainer, and savior. And you are worthy of our full attention. And we commit ourselves to this difficult process of uh, suppressing 
self-will in yielding to your supremacy. And we do ask this for our church, for our community, and for the impact in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.